0: And welcome to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back on top of the world as my beloved Manchester City sit back atop the Premier League table. If you're listening to this many weeks, months, years into the future, disregard that because I'm sure we've blown it and thrown it all away by now. But today we're not here to talk football, we're here to have a look at the June 3rd, 1996 episodes of Raw and Nitro. We do have a mega 1987 wrestling episode coming up with myself and Richie very, very soon. We're just trying to make schedules align. We thought we had a date locked into place, and I sillily overlooked the League Cup final, and we couldn't do it that day, but that will be coming up in the very, very near future. However, to tide you over, we're getting back onto the main timeline here of 96, where the Monday Night War is kicking right into high gear. The ratings suggest a little bit of excitement as to what's going on over on the WCW side of things, because they drew a 3.0 to Raw's 2.3, and you've got to believe the um, the Scott Hall debut and teasing of more to come is definitely playing a part in that, but we'll see where that carries on with tonight and whether or not that's an angle that has any legs or if it's just going to be a flash in the pan. We'll find out pretty quickly. That being said, my excitement for where Nitro is heading led me to watch Nitro first for once. i tend to more often than not watch Raw first because Nitro spoils Raw quite often but they didn't this week and I got to check out Nitro as I wish so let's head on over to Nitro and see what they've got in store for us this time around
1: this two hour edition of Double Money Nitro and with that in mind let's take you right now to our colleague Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with Shark Gene? Alright, uh, as a matter of fact he is coming out right now please welcome ladies and gentlemen at well over 500 pounds this is the shark stop
2: the music.
1: oh ho oh, wait a minute wait stop a minute the music stop the music that is the order of shark take a look up in the ring big bubba Must have the remnants of your hair. That had to be, Shark, one of the most disgusting, one of the most despicable, actually making me physically sick to my stomach, and only half a haircut. (laughs) It is a little different, I must say that.
3: There's a reason. There's a reason why I'm not shaving the other half off. What is that, sir? Every morning I get up, I have to look in the mirror. I relive the embarrassment. I go get my mail. The neighbors are laughing. I relive the embarrassment.
1: Well, Shark, I got to tell you this. You take a look at what Big Bubba did to you. That's hold
3: gonna- on a second. I'm not the shark. I'm not a fish. I'm not an avalanche. I'm a man, John Tanta, a 500-pound man. I'm gonna hurt the man that did this to me and then i'm gonna shave the head of the giant and he'll feel the embarrassment i felt
1: uh, no Whoa. pun intended but Jack, that would be a mighty tall order tony Larry, guys let's get back to you
0: so yeah, as you can no doubt hear there, um, Nitro gets started with Big Bubba Rogers taking on the Shark, or as he's now being called, John Tenta. Um, we're in hour one of Nitro. So as we said last time out, Larry Zbysko and Tony Schiavone will be handling the first hour, and amongst the introductions, they did tell us that we'll be seeing the Steiner brothers up against Sting and Lex Luger later on, which sounds pretty good to me. But the main sort of Uh, portion of this opening of the show was the classic promo, I am not a shark, I am not a fish, I am a man. Absolute classic promo, so I thought I'd throw that in right off the bat. The match gets started with a big slam from the shark. um, Tony Schiavone on commentary buries Vader and Mark Miro and says they no longer play where the big boys play. So that's that. And in no short order, Bubba bails out the ring and gets counted out. So the first match, all this hype and all this heat is a bit of a letdown really with nothing really coming of it. We go to our first commercial break and we come back and we see uh, high voltage taking on the faces of fear. So as I sort of alluded to last time we looked at Nitro, with them expanding out to two hours, the roster is being thinned a little bit. Uh, they're definitely going to need to bring some new faces in. So we'll see how that goes very soon. We get a big elbow from Barbarian before High Voltage come off with a double hip toss, a double shoulder block, but walk right into a Barbarian powerbomb. Meng gets a lovely drop kick and a backbreaker before Barbarian comes out with a pump handle slam and his beautiful top, um, top rope overhead belly-to-belly suplex. Still can't say enough good things about that move. We get a double top rope headbutt. And then Chaos is dumped from High Voltage. And we get a Mafia kick to Ruckus for the one, two, three. So the faces of fear pretty much job out this supposed new exciting tag team of High Voltage. From there, we go backstage to Gene with Sting and Lex Luger in the locker room. Lex defends his actions in socking Rick Steiner at ringside and starting the big schmoz last week. The Steiner's come in and we get a really great argument, a really good um two teams arguing in the locker room. We just don't get enough of this anymore. It just seems real. Uh, Gene threatens them as things get heated, saying, I'll never interview you again. And that did make me giggle as well. Outside of that, we go into our next match, which is Disco Inferno taking on Sergeant Craig, the Pitbull Pitman. We get some... um a good shot of some old deers in the crowd doing a bit of a boogie during Disco Inferno's entrance and that really made me chuckle. And the match starts pretty poorly with an awfully botched arm drag by Disco. I'd still blame the pit bull, though he just seemed to not really go over for it. We got a big right hand by Disco before Sergeant throws right back and we get a gut wrench power bomb for a two. Disco Inferno, um then punches the top of the Pitbull's head and that seems to hurt his hand, which is always that great, um, if you're not milky white, you must have a hard head gimmick of wrestling. And we get a pounce from the Pitbull, which was pretty cool. Goes for his armbar and before he can lock it on, Disco Inferno gives up. We, I've never seen that before. Um, <laughs> looks in the camera afterwards and says, if he could have got that locked on, I wouldn't be able to dance. I guess that's a good enough reason to not bother getting involved in the match. Um, pretty ridiculous but it was entertaining if nothing else. From there we go to a commercial break and we get an inset video package of Regal slapping Sting in the backstage confrontation and when we come back from the commercial it's time for Regal taking on Hacksaw Jim Duggan Tony Schiavone ponders on commentary whether or not Bobby Heenan will manage the Four Horsemen against Mongo and Kevin Green and that seems to be a big theme of the show that they're going to work on a lot later on Duggan stalls regal stalls and it's um on commentary larry zabisco defends the act of stalling so this is just absolutely brilliant i actually think i might need to um get my head together with carl and after we've done all the pay-per-views of the year come up with a little award show at the end of the year but staller of the year is definitely going to be a category regal um duggan gold dust is right up there um I know he's not. I don't think he wrestles in '96, but if Larry Zabisco comes out, he's certainly going to stall. Um, I know from looking at Saturday Night a few weeks ago that he's the the master of stalling. So there's a fair bit of that going on here. Needless to say, we get more than half of the match time has gone by. I know I do this all the time, but I can't help myself. And they've not even locked up yet. We get a USA chance stall from Jim Duggan before we finally get some moves, and it's a, a triple set of clotheslines. And then they go back to some more stalling. Larry Zabisco says, Jim Duggan just used his entire repertoire, which is pretty funny. Um, We get a European uppercut from Regal and some punches from Duggan and a backdrop. We then get um, the Earl of Eaton and Dave Taylor run out. We get a distraction of Duggan, a roll-up, one, two, three, and Regal picks up the victory in an absolute abomination of a match. It was shite. Gene comes in and he basically says that... uh, Regal, sorry, basically is getting all fired up about the fact that he slaps Sting. Cuts a really good, pro- vicious promo. Um, coming across a little bit more serious. I'll splice some of that in and let you have a listen, but I'm liking this bit of a change in direction of character for Regal. He's still got the comedy, but he's, you know, getting a little bit of an edge to him. So check it out and see what you think.
1: Now. With respect, Lord Stephen Regal, you've got the Blue Bloods working here like the back room at Kathy Lee Gifford's shop. Earlier today, you were reprimanded very heavily by World Championship Wrestling. You paid dearly, your Lordship. I was reprimanded
4: very, very highly with a large fine that most of you bloody peasants wouldn't earn in a year. But I saved the trouble for WCW. I paid double the fine, so now I'm in bloody credit. Time to listen to me.
1: let's, let's Let's show these folks exactly why you were fined. It happened. This past weekend, WCW's
4: main so WCW,
1: event, hey, I was hey, there for the, the police, Get the out bloody police, I'm not He's He's the police. You slapped Sting.
2: It was totally yeah, on call for. Hey, hey.
1: Hey, I could have done what he all these left.
4: other bloody idiotic wrestlers here would have done.
1: You slap could've... another man.
4: I could have come here and insulted Sting, insulted his family, insulted his friends. But being the man Sting is, he doesn't love anybody else except for himself. When I get Sting in the ring at the Great American Bass, I want Sting at his best, not at his most half-hearted. I want this man mean, I want him nasty, I want him downright bloody rude. And I am going to show the world as I beat this man at his best, right in the middle of my home here.
1: All right, that match is going to be taking place live on pay per view. I am sorry, Lord Stephen Regal, you better get the troops together and prepare and prepare very well for the Great American Bash on Sunday, June the 16th, only on pay per view. More on Monday night after this. Don't go.
0: So, yeah, good promo there from Regal challenging Sing, and that's a match I'm looking forward to coming up very soon. From there, we go to a commercial break, and as we come in and out of the commercial, we see a little video package on the Kevin Sullivan-Chris Benoit rivalry. And um, this is something Nitro started doing, I don't know if they did it last week or not, on this show, there was kind of these little 10-15 second videos on the way in and out of commercials. So, the, this one was the first one of real note that stood out to me, but it's something that we'll carry on throughout the show. From there, Kevin Sullivan is in action against Prince Iakea, um, and it's a complete beatdown from Sullivan. Ends with a double stomp for a 1-2-3. It's basically a one-minute squash. Gene comes in, and Jimmy Hart doesn't want to align with the Four Horsemen at all. Kevin Sullivan goes on a rambling promo that's not very good, and we leave to a commercial break. When we come back out, it's time for the returning Rock and Roll Express, who look pretty old in 96. I don't know... I don't know. I never did it for me, but they already look pretty old here. And they're going to be taking on the four horsemen, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. No spring chickens themselves, but they, you know, Ric Flair's ageless and Arn Anderson look like your dad from probably the minute he turned 18. So it doesn't make much of a difference. Um, we get a 60-second countdown to hour two, which is really weird because the competitors are all in the ring ready for the match to start. And kind of the count goes during the initial portion of the match, which is some chain wrestling. And then fireworks go off. This is... um. Not something I think is going to work. It's just a bit too awkwardly timed. If they're going to do this, they'd have to time it a lot better than this. Um, Bischoff and Bobby Heenan come in during this as well. Um, Their mics kick in and Tony and Larry levers. So another real awkward sort of segue. Ricky Morton hits some punches before Flair comes back with some chops and then they stall for a little while. Arne comes in with a big back elbow. Robert Gibson hits a top rope crossbody for a two count and a drop toe hold followed by a figure four. We get some double teaming from the Rock and Rolls and then stereo figure fours. Ric Flair shoves Randy Anderson and then takes a huge bump for Randy Anderson's shove back as we go to a commercial. When we come back, Robert, uh, Ricky Morton sorry, hits a nice Japanese arm drag, a big knee drop from Arne, and the heels cheat quite a bit working over the, the faces. Arne hits a lovely slam um, with the arm behind the back, then goes into a short arm scissors. Ric Flair comes in and begins to work on the arm as well. And then Arn hits his patented spine buster for a two count. Ric Flair hits a beautiful delayed vertical suplex for a two. It's a very stop-start match with a couple of big moves and then a rest hold, a couple of big moves and a rest hold. Ricky Morton hits a small package for a two and a sunset flip for a two. Bobby Heaton, Bobby Heenan sorry, leaves the announce booth unexpectedly, goes and whispers some instructions to the girls and leaves. From there we get a hot tag, some slams and some drop kicks. Double drop kick from the Rock and Rolls as I get interrupted by my 2-year-old Brooklyn. One moment as we will pause here for a second. What'd you say? Say hello. Apologies again for the little interruption there, but a quick cameo from my youngest. We get Liz making the distraction while Woman rakes the eyes of Ricky Morton and Arn hits his big DDT for the 1-2-3 and it appears to be a lovely executed plan from one Bobby the Brain, which fuels speculation from from Bischoff on commentary that he's definitely going to be managing them. Gene comes out to get to the bottom of it and he's with the four horsemen, Liz and Woman and Bobby Heenan is there at the VIP table. Um... I do, as I start to cut this promo um, and talk about whether or not um, Heenan is going to manage them and sell the big match against the NFL lads, I just wish WCW would decide on whether or not it's going to be McMichael or McMichaels, because multiple people across the same promo chop and change on that, and it's really starting to frustrate me now after a little while.
1: All right, Eric, I don't know if I can really clear anything up here, but Arn Anderson, I'm going to start with you, ladies, if you would, please arn ederson i saw you out here earlier with a steve mcmichael jersey uh, what what's the meaning of that
4: apparently i'm too big and thick to play pro football because mcmichaels jersey had my chest growing out of the neck of it my kid who's 10 would have barely got that shirt over his head do you understand what i'm saying mcmichaels not only are we tougher,
3: better athletes, apparently we're way too big.
1: All right, uh, thank you very much. Now, Rick Flair, now all of a sudden you show up with Kevin Green's number 91 jersey for the Carolina Panthers. Where in the devil did you get that? It means that Deborah loves the Nature Boy,
5: not Dallas. They were a gift from Debra McMichael.
3: Now, Kevin Green. (laughs) Whether you like it, Kevin Green, or you don't like it, this goes to the entire Panther organization, the NFL. It doesn't matter. We are bigger, we are faster, we are sleeker, and
1: we are
3: ALL NIGHT LONG! All
1: right, Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan, I couldn't help but notice, and I want to bring you out here.
3: The de is now!
1: You said something to a woman, you conversed with her at ringside, and then all of a sudden, we saw a little uh, chicanery. You're w- responsible for this, I'm certain.
5: No, I'm not. I went up to woman and merely suggested to her that I know a good place where she can get her diamonds cleaned if she sh- should want to. But now you want to ask me something. Of course, you know, whatever
1: I tried to ask you last night, you wouldn't give me a straight answer. Well, you ask me now for all the people. Are you going to manage Ric Flair and Arn Anderson at the Great American Bash when they meet Steve McMichael and Kevin Green?
5: Ladies, you don't know the answer. Gentlemen, you don't, and you don't. But I know the answer is very simple. Since I have not been managing, I've been pr- uh, people have come from all over the world, all, every organization, and have asked me to manage. They've offered me money, homes, cars, anything you could think of. And you're on the tape. And I, yeah, well, I do like money, yes, but I turned them down for the simple reason I promised myself I'd never manage again, and I'm going to keep that promise. You're not, gentlemen. I, I am sorry. I wish you the best of luck. I gave myself. Oh, no, I promised myself. You guys, what about the girls? I will never. Manage what about the, girls? the girls, thank you. I am sorry.
1: Take oh, wait, wait a minute. Now you're not Bobby. offering flesh. Bobby Heenan. Wait, oh, wait a minute. Wait, a minute. wait, wait a, minute. a minute. Hold on a second. Yes. Wait a minute. Uh, what, what? I mean, I'm something you could certainly. What is this? A Halliburton? What is this?
5: <laughs> now, in 1988, I won the All Madden Trophy. I was the manager of John Madden's team. Now everybody respects John Madden. I'm on the back here with the names of like, Joe Montana, uh, Mike Ditka, Tom Landry, and right down here it says manager, Bobby Heenan. Well, I said I'd never manage again, but in Baltimore, I will coach. Well, ah, I will be at ringside. You have gotta be putting No, on. no, I will be at ringside. And I'm, I'm going to show those football players what coaching is all about. You think you've been outcoached? <laughs> you don't know what outcoaching means. You guys will be sitting in the locker room underneath the bench for so long wondering what the heck happened. I'll tell you what happened. The brain is back coaching.
1: I think greed perhaps might have...
0: So, there you have it. Heenan's going to semi come out of retirement for this one and help out the horsemen. So, that's going to make things a bit more interesting. Again, they're really putting a lot of uh, promotion behind this match. So, I am looking forward to it. And it's definitely working. Um, I think it's going to be one of the big selling points coming up. We'll go to a commercial from here. And when we come back, it's time for a video package on Hulk Hogan. It's a long video package this time. It runs the entire length of his entrance theme, uh, which was too much for just a generic Hulk Hogan video package. Um, It's just wasted minutes on the show, and you can tell they're really struggling to fill the two hours so far. We go to an advertisement of Hogan going, he's going to be at Hogwild. Unfortunately, that's still two months away, so they're really um, trying to make the most out of Hulk while he's sat at home collecting his cheque. And then it's time for our world heavyweight title match. It's Ice Train challenging the Giant. This is the entire story of the match. Jimmy Hart distracts him and Giant hits a choke slam for the one, two, three. Um, it's actually a cocky sit on, like sitting on the mat, back slightly touching him with a double gun pose pin to pick up the victory as well. So Ice Train, big time jobber. Um, from there, Scott Norton comes out to check on his buddy and eats a pair of choke slams on his own. Gene comes out, and the giant, pretty pissed off, tells him not to mention Hulk Hogan anymore and challenges Lex Luger. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Norton is up for his scheduled match against Hugh Morris despite having just eaten two choke slams. Morris comes out, drops a bit of a leg, and makes some stupid faces. Hugh Morris, I cannot express this enough at this point in time, is a complete dickhead. Uh, He does some stupid laughing, um, drops three elbows, goes up for a moonsault, takes an eternity, um, Scott Norton gets up, and I guess is was supposed to catch him here, but they completely botch it, fall down, and he just drops a forearm on Hugh Morris and picks up the one, two, three, so as well as being a complete dickhead, Hugh Morris just got beaten by one forearm. Absolute crap. Uh, we go to a commercial, and when we come back, we get some annoying five-second videos again, um... It's really just sort of... I don't know if if any of you ever played the old game EWR Revenge, which is like a wrestling um, booking simulator... Um, sounds way worse than what it is when I realize how I just described it. It It's actually reasonably fun. Um, but it was pretty popular back in the day. Um, it's a lot like that. We just padding out segments to make sure everybody gets on the show. We go to the typical WCW magazine commercial, which I played for you not that long back with Sting and the kids swapping places. And then a video package on Kevin Green and Mongo. Um, it's a real awful strategy session, um, I was going to splice it in, but it's pretty poor, and I realized I just put a pretty lengthy promo in then, so I'll leave it out. But it's essentially them picking strategies, and they also decide they want to coach, and the person that would be best suited to coaching them would be the Macho Man. See how that works out for them. Up next, it's the big main event. The Stein is taking on Lex Luger and Sting for the Tag Team Championships. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Punter's Haven. If you're an Australian resident and like winning money, you owe it to yourself to go and check out Punter's Haven on Facebook. Step one, head over to Facebook, check out Punter's Haven, tell them Lee sent you and sign up for your first free month. Step two, mm, step three, profit. So what are you waiting for? With winning tips on many major sports and horse racing, Punter's Haven are definitely going to have the tip for you. So head on over there and get that meat sauce, baby. My mind, my money my money my the Steiner, Sting and Lex match actually gets started with a split screen Because Macho Man's on the phone um, On the screen with the action we see a big team, T-bone suplex from Scott And a tilt-a-whirl slam Macho Man accepts the challenge to be the coach for the NFL lads They're sort of selling this as this is his way to get back in the building Since he's been banned from recent WCW shows We get um, Bobby Heenan on commentary begging him not to join But that does no good Back in the ring, a big underhook suplex from Scott Steiner, and then we go out to a commercial. When we come back, we get a nice armbar from Rick and a big clothesline for a two. A second rope belly to belly, and a top rope bulldog for a two. Sting comes in and hits his beautiful Stinger Splash and the Scorpion Deathlock, but that sort of breaks down into a four-man brawl. Scott Steiner hits a belly-to-belly and a top-rope Hurricane Rana. We then get the Scorpion Death Drop from Sting and a big power slam from Lex followed by the Rack. Um, Every time it looks like someone's going to possibly pick up the victory, one of the other team members comes in and breaks it up. And this again breaks down into a four-man brawl with both teams acting a little heelish during the match. Giant comes out and hits an awful choke slam on Rick Steiner on the concrete floor. I can understand why it was not a good choke slam, but maybe just don't do it on the concrete. Um, Bischoff covers it up, of course, saying so he didn't quite get all of it or something to that effect. Um, after this we get a really good pop for Lex Lugo going to fight with the giant. That got over huge. Sting Lex and Scott Steiner all team up and send the giant packing. From there, we go to our wrap-up with Bobby and Tony – sorry, Bobby and Eric – and Bobby's basically, again, begging the macho man via the TV not to join and not to accept the challenge. But we get our intruder coming back out. It's Scott Hall. He just gets up and leaves, which is pretty funny. He's having none of this. Um, Hall then starts telling off Bischoff really giving him a bit of a tongue lashing, which brings out Sting. Bischoff, of course, tells him not to dignify that with a response. I mean, if you're going to dignify it with a response, you really need to hit him with about 14 responses during the show. Um, We basically then get um, Scott Hall throws his toothpick at Sting, and Sting slaps him, which brings out Cops. Um, It was a really, really hot ending, and just had a real realistic vibe to it. Um, Really enjoyed this follow-up with Hall coming out and Sting stepping up for WCW. So the angle's carrying on. It's looking to heat up a little bit, and Nitro is getting some traction here. So really enjoyable show. I mean, there's obviously some filler on there that we could do without now. They've gone to two hours. I probably... Would have preferred them to go to 90 minutes rather than two hours at this point. But it is what it is, and I'm sure they're going to pad the roster out in no time flat. That will do it for Nitro. It's time for us to head over and see what WWF are going to put up in resistance to this angle and see how Raw can compete. Yeah, and that wasn't, uh, that wasn't,
5: uh, when you seen him covering up when I was, uh, mouth mouth I was punching through the ropes trying to hit him, mm-hmm. and he was covering up, that was real. Because I told him, we practiced it, you know, we rehearsed it, and I told him to take his hand and put it over my mouth, like, this. the fans can't see it, just put your hand over my mouth and do your hand, you know, put my mouth to your hand. And, of course, when live TV hit, he thought it was going to be funny to put his lips on my lips. <laughs> and I didn't think that was very funny. Mm-hmm. So the last few moments when you see him not fighting back, there was a reason for that.
4: Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you get along with Dustin? Yeah, we got
5: along, you know, fine yeah. up until... You know i mean it's that that moment. i didn't appreciate that that moment you know yeah
0: raw gets started up with a video package on the gold dust ahmed johnson situation which you just heard then was a little bit too real for ahmed's liking that made me giggle um gold dust at the end of the video is posing naked with the intercontinental title covering up his bit covering his johnson you may say <laughs> and basically says to ahmed come and get it once Raw gets started, it's the usual commentary team of Jerry the King Lawler and Vince McMahon, and our opening contest is Bob Spark Plug Holly taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin, freshly without a manager. Vince and Jerry tell us that Goldust and Ahmed um, will be take, will be challenging each other at the King of the Ring, and in the ring, Stone Cold locks on a headlock and we get some chain wrestling to start with. Vince shills, um showing some video footage of Beware of Dog, like it's a big first-time event, because they normally only show still photos from the pay-per-view. Austin works over the leg, they exchange some chops, and Bob Holly hits a big hip toss and locks on a headlock of his own. Austin comes back with a backbreaker in his patented second rope elbow, and then puts on a chin lock. Hits a knee drop for a two as we go to a commercial break. When we come back, Bob Holly hits a back elbow for a two, but walks himself into the million dollar dream, and Austin picks up the victory um, in this King of the Ring qualifier. Vince McMahon also announces at the commentary booth that Jerry Lawler will be taking on the Ultimate Warrior at the King of the Ring, and Lawler is none too happy about that. Our next contest is Barry Horowitz, um, well and truly past his little 1995 mini-push, taking on Mankind. Backstage, we go to JR, chatting about the fact that Mankind will be taking on The Undertaker at King of the Ring, and they show the ending of the casket match from the Beware of Dog pay-per-view. In the ring... Uh, Barry Horowitz hits a jawbreaker before Mankind comes back with some punches and corner forearms and his tree of woe elbow drop. We get Adjda in the match for live events coming up and then Barry Horowitz hits some European uppercuts before getting himself caught in the mandible claw for the ending. After that, JR is with Mick Foley and we'll splice some of that in here. It's a classic Mankind uh, promo and we see some pay-per-view footage um, of the title match as well.
1: You up, arm. any comments you want to make about the Undertaker and the King of the Ring? I am hoping
3: that the Undertaker will finally stand up and show just a little bit of pride, or maybe before the King of the Ring, he will decide that there is no sense fighting a man who has nothing left to lose. Undertaker. You can't take my ear, it's already gone. You can't take my teeth, they're already gone. Of all the things I've lost in life, I think I miss my mind the most. And at the king
2: of the ring, you're going to lose it all. When I
1: tell
0: you, We then again see a naked Goldust with the belt covering up his Johnson. Um, but before we speak to him, Vince McMahon recaps the big kiss angle that Ahmed was talking about at the start or the halfway point of this podcast. Um, we get a pretty disturbing promo from Goldust, um, which touches on quite a lot of homophobia and racism, because not only is he making quite a lot of innuendos towards um, Armin Johnson, but he's also munching down a chocolate barger in the promo. So, yeah, it's definitely um, a different time here. From there, we go to our next match, which is the Godwins taking on Techno Team 2000. And despite it being a different time, it's definitely not the year 2000. Um, the Body Donners um, invite offers for a new manager before we get into the match. Um, they've got a like a, a mail-in system, so you can definitely apply for that. We get a hip toss from Henry Godwin and a big boot by um, Travis or Troy. I'm not sure which one. We get a standing moonsault for a two and then a back elbow as we go to a commercial break. But when we come back, the Godwins take over with the slop drop for the one, two, three. And we get Clarence Mason on the phone talking over some footage from In Your House, um, which he lists as exhibits as though it's a court case. So, yep, um, Clarence mason de- Clarence Mason definitely doubling down on the lawyer gimmick here. From there, we go to our big main event, um, which is going to be Triple H taking on Jake the Snake Roberts in the next King of the Ring qualifier. As we're coming into that, we're told Raw is brought to us by the US Army, be all you can be, and got milk. During the match, we get a headlock by Triple H and a shoulder block. Um, we get a hip toss from Jake Roberts and a knee lift. He attempts a DDT a couple of times, but he's unsuccessful. The crowd definitely still hot for the DDT. Triple H powders to the outside, and we get a big DDT chant. Jerry Lawler hits on Triple H's valet, as he used to do at the time. Um, And Jake Roberts, well, I can't talk today. Jake Roberts works over the arm. Vince McMahon talks about Hall and Nash going to WCW, and I'll splice that in because I found this really fascinating considering what's going on on the other channel.
1: In his career to be the of the ring, Jake has made a triumphant comeback to the World Wrestling Federation thus far. Despite, by the way, his... Forty-three years of age. Yeah, well, he better hope he wins King of the Ring because for sure this is his last hurrah. And speaking of last hurrahs, of course, Ted DiBiase is at his last hurrah here in the World Wrestling Federation. But likewise, a number of other individuals also have had their last hurrah, no longer associated with the World Wrestling Federation in any manner. Big Daddy Cool Diesel, as well as the Bad Guy Razor Ramon, and it has been reported that both of these individuals intend to pawn themselves off as the stars they once were here in the WWF. And to furthermore perpetuate some sort of ruse that they're still representing the World Wrestling Federation while actually under contract to a rival organization. And right now...
0: So yeah, Vince not, not having it. The NWO are not WWF affiliated. And as we all know, lawsuits are going to fly backwards and forward. But this was an interesting little tidbit that perked my ears during an otherwise fairly uneventful roar. Triple H powders and we go to a commercial when he comes back he works over Jake's knee a little bit um, drops a knee drop for a two count and then hits an elbow for a two Roberts hits a short arm clothesline and the crowd go to fever pitch for the DDT but Triple H blocks it as we go to another commercial we get an ad for the superstar line uh, which is Doc Hendricks awesome and Jake does hit the DDT for the one two three And that's it. Uh, Six is Snake onto Hunter, and Triple H's burial for the curtain call begins. Jake Roberts is going through to the King of the Ring. Um, Not a bad match. It was okay. Um, Jake was never a a technical master, but he did have great uh, psychology and kept things interesting without going at a super high pace. And, yeah, I would still probably consider this a bit of an upset at the time. So, interesting one there. That'll do it for Monday Night Raw. As I said, not a lot to report on this episode of Raw, but we'll see if what they did, they did well enough to steal any of the categories. Let's have a bit of a look. I'm going to start off with storyline advancement this week, and I think um, I'm going to go with WCW because I actually enjoyed the stories they've got brewing more than I do the ones over on Raw. Scott Hall coming in is obviously the pick of the bunch for storylines in both companies, but even this little brewing feud between Lex Luger and the Giant, the ongoing sort of babyface battle between the Steiners, Sting and Lex, it's all pretty good stuff. Regal and Sting's actually looking really good as well As is the Horseman and the NFL lads So lots of good stories over in WCW Mostly just King of the Ring qualifiers in the WWF um, And the advancement of Gold Dust and Ahmed Johnson Which is not something I really enjoyed anyway So there's not a lot going on storyline here And certainly none of the main players appear to be involved in any big ones just yet From there we're going to go to production value And I'm going to lean back to Raw this week because I think Nitro took a lot of chances that didn't pay off. The 60-second countdown halfway through the show being a big one, the video packages in and out of the ads, and the lengthy Hulk Hogan video packages that didn't actually do anything but just promote Hulk's ego. So, one apiece so far with Raw picking up production value. From there, we're going to um, go to... characters and sorry i went to say stories again we just did that first characters i'm going to go with wcw again they got a lot more guys on the show they did have a few no names on but then again raw barely featured anybody and we still saw barry horowitz plus the godwins taking on techno team 2000 so nitro's definitely got the bigger names and made it work in their favor on this episode Crowd heat, I'm going with a tie. The crowd were pretty hot for a lot of stuff in WCW, but probably the most over thing on either show was Jake's DDT. So a little bit of a tie. Neither show had a rabid crowd or a dead crowd. Um, WCW had probably more hotter spots, but they went for longer. So a tie on that one, which takes us to in-ring action. And on that, I'm giving it clearly to WCW, um... Their matches weren't amazing, but you see the Steiners, Sting and Lex all mixing it up, even for just a few minutes, and it's better than anything we saw on Raw. Then you throw Ric Flair and Arn Anderson into the mix, and it was actually a pretty solid wrestling show, all things considered. There was a few duds on there too, but as I said, we had Barry Horowitz and the Godwins and Techno Team 2000 on Raw, so WCW pretty firmly picks up the victory there. For my money, the better of the two shows, and definitely the one in the ascendancy. So, the next few weeks are going to be interesting. And I, well, I dare say this whole timeline now is going to be getting pretty interesting soon because we know WCW pulls out and we know WWF pulls out all the stops in fixing it. So there's a lot of good stuff to come. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of this timeline. Um and obviously keep an ear out. There's a lot more shows to come from me here and all my good buddies that jump on the show with me. Um, Been a long while since we've had a good review online, so if you are listening would love one of them and just a lot more feedback. Um, The show itself's getting a ton of listens now, but the actual number of people that interact is still pretty low. And I'm kind of just shooting into the wind with a lot of the stuff that I I put out and a lot of the content. So, if you've got any thoughts at all, good or bad, please hit me up. I'll always um, be up for a chat about the show and ways we can improve. Or even if you've got something you want to contribute, please let me know. Thank you all for listening once again, and I will be back with you very, very soon.
2: living in a world where the world is an open what Maybe we do live in a-